0: Gravity, maybe bondage of the will. As ah. uh, Luther, uh, Luther writes uh, it, in 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 this modern age, uh, we think that we have. Uh, for for example, you were mentioning earlier, we think that we're progressing from time to time, yes. but <laughs> experience tells us that we're getting evil and evil. Yes. Um, wh- what does the Bible say about uh, the sinful condition of a man? For example, you were. Uh, mentioning efficiency too it says we were uh, dead in our sins and trespasses. Yes, yes. Uh, wh- What does Lutheran theology say about that? Because we, as human beings, think so highly of ourselves, mm-hmm. and even some evangelicals uh, say that uh, we are born into this world as as an, as innocents. Uh, so they say we we have come, we have uh, we we become sinful through interaction and through social activities and through experiences that we share in the communities that we grow up what does the bible say about the sinful condition of a man is it something that comes through life or are we do we have such an inclination even in our mother's womb
1: the bible is absolutely clear that we are sinful by nature now the first place where we can see this very easily we go back Back to the earliest yeah. verses of Genesis, we see that um, God. We're told first that God created man in His image, and of course, here I'm. I, I'm using man in the sense of mankind. Mm. Um, it's not man versus woman. Yeah. Uh, it's factual Scripture will say he made man in His image. He created God. God created man in His image. And also male and female, he created him. But so mankind is created in the image of God. But then man sins and destroys that image. And it's, to me, remarkable. Genesis chapter 5 tells us that when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image. Now that needs to be contrasted with the image of God. So Adam fathers, and this is after Cain and Abel, we're talking Seth. He is fathered not in the image of God, but in the fallen image of Adam. And this is where we have to start. Now, this idea that Adam's child is fathered in Adam's fallen image is further confirmed for us, um, you know, Psalm 51.5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, Another way to say that is, I was brought forth in sin and from conception i have been sinful
0: mm.
1: Th- this is saying that we are sinners from the moment we're born in fact it's saying we're sinners from the moment we are conceived even still in our mother's womb we are sinners jesus will confirm for this for us saying uh, to nicodemus that which is born of the flesh is flesh mm um we could you know i was reading earlier in romans and romans says um and i'm still i'm in chapter three now quoting the old testament none is righteous no not one no one understands god no one seeks for god all have turned turned aside together they have become worthless no one does good not even one now that's all piled on top of the psalms that tells us this is how we've been from birth so scripture is very clear we are from the moment of our conception by our nature sinners and unless God intervenes and changes that, we stay that way. Paul will will write uh, saying that we are, you know, that fallen normal, normal, fallen humanity is by nature an enemy of God. That by our own human nature, the, the things of God are foolishness mm. and we cannot accept them and we will not accept them one it is beyond our ability and two we just won't and don't want to it's beyond our ability and it's beyond our desire so um, the bible and therefore the lutherans are very clear on this point we are of our fallen human nature sinners now just to add one more piece to this there are those who so those who say we are innocent at birth that we're born that we're not sinners born that way that we become that way that's just a flat contradiction to scripture that just simply denies the truth of the words of the bible itself now there are some who don't want to go so far as to actually deny the written word of god so they will admit Yes, we're all, we are all sinners by nature. We are born mm-hmm. sinful. But they still want to, at some point, have a human decision in there. And so they still want it to be on, on humanity. And so you have to do something with those babies at that point. And so the answer will be to say, well, yes, they are born. Of course, the Bible is clear. Humanity is born sinful. So yes, those babies are sinners by birth. But they're too young to understand this. So even though technically they're sinners, they're not accountable yet. So they're accounted as innocent until they reach an age where they can actually be aware of what this sin is. And then at that point, they're held accountable for it. At that point, they're held guilty for it. But before that, when they're too young to, to realize that their sin is sin, it's not their fault, so they're not held accountable. Scripture doesn't say that anywhere. There are people who want they believe that because it fits their theological model, but they're forcing it on Scripture. Now, for me, there is one easy test of that theory, and that is simply this. Scripture tells us the wages of sin is death. So death is the payment when we're held accountable. When you are held accountable for your sin, what's the payment? Death. So when we see someone die, we're seeing the wages of sin being paid. We're seeing that body, that sinful body being held accountable for sin. Can babies die? I don't think any of our listeners know of, I don't think you can find a single listener who can say, no, I've never heard of a baby dying. If they've not lost a child themselves, another family member has, or a good friend has, or a neighbor has, we all know babies pay the wages of sin, which is death. Which means they're being held accountable. There is no age of innocence. There is no age of accountability. We this is witnessed to us by the fact that babies die, and this is one of the reasons it is so important for us to emphasize infant baptism. These little babies are little sinners who need forgiveness, and God has given us a means to deliver it to them. So why would we ever withhold it? That's cruel. That's wrong. I would also want to add though we do know of babies who die in the womb mm. before they can be baptized and I'm not trying to say that they're that they are hopeless mm. and of course we also know of women good christian women who give birth they 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 have our, every plan they're going they intend to baptize that baby mm. but then that baby dies in birth mm. or that baby dies in its sleep when it's one day old or two days old and it hasn't been baptized yet. I'm not saying that apart from baptism, these babies are going to hell. I'm not saying that. I'm also not saying they're innocent. Mm. Um, I am saying baptism is one very clear way that God has promised to give these babies the gift of salvation. But God also promises that he gives this gift through his word. And he does say faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And this is where it's one of those points where it's really important to ask that, that, that question you asked earlier, is faith intellect? Yeah. Is faith understanding? And I'm saying the answer is no. Faith is trust. Faith is hope. Can babies trust? Babies trust their mothers. I've, I've seen it with all of my children and my wife. Uh, can babies hope that their mother's going to help them? Yes, absolutely. And can babies hear? Yeah, can babies here in the womb yeah you know in america when i was younger there was a whole uh, industry for a while trying to sell music to pregnant women of music that should soothe the baby because babies here in the womb and there was supposed to be some music that would improve their mental development even before they were born so good mothers were buying this music <laughs> to play for their babies so they'd have smart babies. Um, I mean, science acknowledges that babies here in the womb, but so does Scripture. You know, Scripture tells us that um, John the Baptist, when he's still in his mother's womb, uh, leaps for joy when he hears the sound of, of the mother of his lord enter the room so i mean scripture itself tells us this little unborn baby actually heard this so scripture tells us babies can hear in the womb uh, we have no doubt that that can happen and so we know babies can hear in the womb we know that that hearing the Word of God creates faith. So every time a pregnant mother goes to church, that pregnant mother is taking her baby into the house of the Lord where he can hear faith-producing Word of God. And can that baby have faith in the womb? Well, one, we see it evidence when John the Baptist leaps for joy yeah. because Mary brought the Lord into his presence uh, you don't leap for joy about being in the presence of the Lord unless you have faith in the Lord. Mm-hmm. If you don't have faith in the Lord, he's only an angry judge and he terrifies mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. This baby wasn't quivering in fear in Elizabeth's womb. He was leaping for joy. And in fact, we also not only do we see this evidence of him, we also hear it prophesied of him mm-hmm. by the angel. When God sends the angel to speak to John's father, Zechariah, serving in the mm-hmm. temple. This is, Gen- this is Luke chapter 1. As Zechariah Zachariah is being told, in your old age and your wife's old age, you're going to have a baby. And this is going to be a very special baby. He's going to serve the Lord in these ways. One of the things the angel says is, is this the angel says, He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, can you think of any, knowing your, your biblical worldview, knowing biblical truth about the Holy Spirit and faith, can you imagine any bizarre scenario where you have someone filled with the Holy Spirit, but they don't have faith? Mm-hmm. Those don't work. Yeah. For this baby to be filled with the holy spirit even from his mother's womb means he even has faith then and then we again we see it evidenced when mary walks in the room says hey here i am (laughs) the baby was yay (laughs) Uh, babies can have faith even in the womb and this faith comes by hearing this is why you know as as when i was a, a congregational pastor a parish pastor when i heard that a young woman was pregnant well, the first thing I say is, well, you better be bringing that baby to church for the next 9 months. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not just the mother who's going. Yeah. Mm. She's bringing her baby with her. And the word of God is a living, powerful, active word that doesn't need the baby's help or consent yeah. to be active. Yeah. It just is. Yeah. And and so I don't know, I've kind of gone off on uh, a tangent no, no, there. No. It's good,
0: and we have we have uh, some listeners who are asking about such questions. Okay. So we would make sure to to email them this answer. Yeah.
1: Okay, good.
0: Uh, maybe one final question, and we would have to wrap up. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you have <laughs> some no, other questions? Yeah, some final question because we were talking about uh, the bondage of the will, how uh, how man is sinful even from the point of birth, even in our mother's womb. Uh, uh, I think it would be nice to end up uh, our podcast with a message of hope, which is a gospel.
1: Well, and that is the answer to that bo- yeah. that bound yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, and it is truly good news. Yeah. Because uh, you know, once we realize the biblical fact that we are helpless sinners who are incapable of saving ourselves, that we are incapable of coming to faith in God. We're incapable as fallen sinners to make the right decision that will bring Jesus into our hearts or make the commitment that will make us to be Christians. Once we realize that we cannot do that, that also relieves us then of the burden of asking the question, have I? Mm. And I know you're wanting good news and I'm getting there, but this is an important thing to remember because one thing, most Baptists, Anabaptists, uh, decision theology kind of people, most will not admit this to you. Mm. Most don't even want to admit it to themselves But if you find one that is completely honest, he will tell you that living that theology is a strange ride of highs and lows where you are oscillating or bouncing back and forth between this joy that you have, that you are certain you have made the right commitment and you are living the right life to these horrible lows yeah. of doubting if you really did. And there's always this haunting question of did you do enough? Yeah. Were you fully committed? Did you really make the decision? Have you truly submitted enough? These kinds of is, it an, is, it is enough enough is constantly haunting. The, the people who are bound by that theology. Most don't want to admit it. Some even hide it from themselves, but it, it's there. But once you realize that actually Scripture is very clear that we cannot do these things, we are helpless as enemies of God, the next step is where the good news comes in. Well, if you can't do it, then who does it? God and at that point, now all of those fears are gone because God doesn't do things partway. God doesn't do things halfway. So you don't have to ask, okay, well, God, God promised that he gave me faith through hearing the word, but did God really give me enough faith? Well, you don't have to ask that question. God doesn't fail. God doesn't do almost enough. God always does enough. God is perfect. His work is perfect. So if Scripture tells you that you are given birth as a child of God in baptism, you don't have to wonder, was I really born as a child of God or am I some weird step-cousin of God? (laughs) If God gives you birth as his child, you are his child. If God tells you in baptism your sins are washed away, you don't have to wonder, well, what about that really bad sin? that one really bad one that I'm always feeling guilty of, well, does God only wash away little sins? Is God not capable of what? If God says your sins are washed away, they're all washed away. Mm. And so once you realize, so first off, here's, there's this good news in realizing that you can't do it, yeah. Well, and, but God did do it, then you know the job was done right and you know the job was complete. Mm. And this is the good news. The good news is this, that God looked at you in your helplessness realizing you could not do it and he sent his son to do it for you. And Jesus did finish that job. And he said so. What are the last words on the cross? It is finished. He finished the work of paying for your sins. He finished the job of appeasing God's wrath And fulfilling God's law he stood in your shoes and he kept God's law perfectly in your place he hung on the cross and faced God's wrath for you carrying the guilt of your sin on his own shoulders and he did it all and he did it perfectly and even told you the job is done now it's finished I completed it and then God comes along in the scriptures and says and now I'm giving this to you as a free gift that you don't have to worry about paying for you don't have to worry about earning and this means you don't even you don't even have to earn it with a mental decision you don't even have to earn it with a certain commitment this is just simply given to you as a gift and you know you don't have to worry about if you got this gift because you know where you get this gift this gift is given to you In the Word of God. When you hear, as you are hearing this promise told to you right now, the gift is being given to you right now. If you've been baptized, you were given the gift of new life as a child of God. You were given the Holy Spirit as a gift. Your sins were washed away. You were covered in Christ's righteousness. That happened to you in your baptism. If you've gone to the Lord's Supper, in that bread, you were given the body of Christ. When you drank that wine, you were given the blood of Christ. And Jesus himself told you this was given to you for your forgiveness. God's the one who does the work. And he tells you when and where and how he does that work. And you know, if you haven't been to church, but you heard a, a Christian say to you, uh, you know, Jesus, my God, he loves you. That's gospel. That love is being given to you with that message. And if you're not Christian right now and you're listening to this on a podcast, listening to these words right now, you're hearing the message. You're hearing the promise. You're hearing the gospel. And in that hearing, it is being given to you by the Holy Spirit right now. It's yours. You have it. You are your sins are forgiven. You are a beloved child of God. Mm. That's the end. Yeah. There's no more to add to that. Mm. God did it. It's done. Thank you. Thanks no, for the message. No better way to conclude our
0: session, the yeah. longest session that we have <laughs> ever had. But uh, uh, we, we we're grateful that you have joined us today to unpack uh, Lutheranism 101.
1: Oh, it's my, uh, my pleasure. Yeah. I'm so glad that you had me here for this. Oh, so wow. You you would be a regular guest, Good. God willing. <laughs> God willing. Yeah. That is certainly <laughs> my desire.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, um, may God bless you, Pastor Eric. Uh, we have been really blessed, and I yeah. think uh, you have helped uh, me, I think. All of us. All, yeah, all And the all audience understand yeah. the Lutheran theology, uh, the uh, historical context, uh, more
1: Easily, and really thanks for that. Bless you. Oh, my, my pleasure. And again, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. And honestly, any any good that has come out of this mm. is only what God is doing yeah. through yeah. any one of us. Yeah. Um, that you know, He's a gracious God, and yeah. he works even through flawed instruments like us. So, and <laughs> you know, we can just be thankful for yeah. his work and yeah. his grace. And, and may he continue to bless all that you're doing and the message that you're taking out to so many.
0: Amen. Amen. So next time we're going to discuss about the Book of Concord. Not, maybe not today. No, not today. i uh, uh, <laughs> <too> tired. <laughs> uh, so next time we're going to discuss about the Book of Concord and its historical context, and uh, we're going to discuss about the books uh, that are in the Book of Concord. So until uh, next time, peace and grace be to you.